Good evening. I'm Marcus Leader, and I would like to invite you on a journey of discovery as I pull back the veil and give you a glimpse of the multiverse through the eyes of a Toltec shaman. So sit back, relax, turn up the volume, and turn down the lights. You're now listening to The Shaman's Brew. Violet Moon by Blackmore's Night. Hello and welcome to this week's Shaman's Brew. 
Um, I didn't mention in my last shows, but uh, I, I've been uh, producing some shows called uh, Fireside Teachings, where I will sit uh, out in nature or around a fire and discuss a lot of the lessons that I was taught over an eight-year period about Toltec shamanism. Uh, I do it this way because the fire helps to capture your imagination and puts you at a point where you can actually visualize what it's like to be taught one-on-one -on -one by a teacher, which is uh, the way a lot of my teachings were done. However, I realize that a lot of my listeners really don't want to learn necessarily about the, uh, the teachings themselves, the Toltec core teachings. And so my shows are going to be an eclectic mix, uh, some for entertainment purposes, uh, some sometimes I'll have interviews with different guests, and then I will have the shows that will be called the uh, Fireside Teachings. Tonight's show is one of those shows that are more for entertainment purposes. I've had quite a few people ask me about the, the origins of my show, The Shaman's Brew. And it actually started uh, way back in, uh, what was it, 2002. And I was asked by a friend of mine, Hawk, who had a, uh, the longest-running pagan uh, radio show at the time uh, called WPBN, Full Circle, to produce my, my own uh, talk show or, or segment, actually. It was not a complete show. And um, she gave me 15, 20 minutes of time and said, do what you want with it. I had never even considered talking on the radio. It's, you know, the, the concept was pretty alien to me. Um, but I thought about it, and I, I knew that a time was coming when I would need to share a lot of what I was taught. And so I thought this might be a good platform to, uh, to begin the teachings with. And um, that was many years ago. Uh, like I say, the first show was in February of 2002. So I went ahead and did it, and uh, just as an experiment, really. And people seemed to like it, so I continued the show, The Shaman's Brew, as a segment on a uh, three-hour radio show called uh, WPBN. And it continued until uh, Hawk decided to close WPBN. I think the show ran for something like 10 years altogether, 10, 11 years, something like that. And then I didn't really do any more with the show. You know, I took a, took a break, and um, I I had a few people ask me if uh, if I would do the show on on their show, and and I just never really got around to it. And then talking with Todd, you know, was a close friend of mine, and we discussed it a little bit, and I thought it was a great opportunity when when he opened up uh, the Jackalope uh, Radio Network, and that's how the Shaman Brew uh, came into existence. Since that time, I have done 71 shows of the Shaman's Brew on the Jackalope Radio Network. And even after all that time, I'm, I'm still playing with the show and uh, reformatting it. Uh, I get different ideas. Uh, I'm mainly searching for what people want to hear. I know a lot of it has to be entertainment because sometimes when I get into a dissertation, it can be rather dry. And unless you're really into learning shamanism, it's something that you can quickly nod off to. So for tonight's show, I thought I would uh, give you a little treat. Uh, it's something that a lot of people have asked me about, you know, the origins of the Shaman's Brew, and, and so I thought I would dig back way in the archives, back to 2002, and, and pull up my very first radio show, the first time I ever tried anything like this. And I'm going to apologize in advance for the poor sound quality, I was using a little cheap $10 microphone as opposed to my $200 microphone now, and uh, I had really no clue what the hell I was doing. So I apologize for the, the poor sound quality, and it, it is only about a 20-minute segment. So with that, I'm going to now play for you my segment on WPBN called The Shaman's Brew. And I'm discussing 
the nature of magic. Keep in mind that this was my very first time speaking in a microphone. And now I present to you my very first episode, episode one of The Shaman's Brew from 2002. We have a new segment that will be on monthly. This is called Shaman's Brew. Hmm, sounds like mead. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm Mar- you know, when, you, when you told, first told me the title, my, the title, that was my first thought was, ooh, mead. <laughs> well, actually, Mark uh, has got this uh, website that you'll be able to link to. Uh, you should be able to get to it in links, and uh, it'll be a little bit bolder, so it'll be up near the top of your Martin Records because he is doing this out of the goodness of his heart. Same thing with uh, Julie Gulentine, mm-hmm. who uh, is doing the Taro segment a little later on in the show. And uh, I think what we need to do is just warn you that Mark has this beautiful hypnotic voice. <laughs> so, you know, after he's done, you'll know it's over when you hear Hawk say, <laughs> It's done. <laughs> there will Wake def- the fuck up. Oh. There will definitely be a difference between what you're hearing at that <laughs> and then when we come back. Yeah, I'm something real gentle with waking people you'll, up out of meditation. Miss, you'll miss the two songs between his segment and then our talking again because you'll be spaced, you'll be zoned out until we come back. Oh, actually, that'd be good because the first song we're going to play after that is the new Parnassus album. Yeah, the chant. Yeah, yeah. The, the chant. They did it, man. They, they got, yeah, and uh, we're going to try to interview those guys. I was going to try and uh, get Kenny Klein on for the show, but uh, it was a little short notice, and Kenny's busy. I'd, I'd still like to write. I'd still like to interview the uh, the original writer of Anastani. If we can ever, if we get, can ever get them over here, down <laughs> here, yeah, they're local. So ah, who knows? Maybe one of these days. But anyway, any more dissertation or comment or no more deviation from the subject. BS. Uh, here's Mark Leader and Shaman's Brew. Hello, I'm Mark Leader, and this is the Shaman's Brew. It is from here that I will pull back the veil and share with you a separate reality as we explore the mysteries and secrets of our magical universe. You might think of this segment as investigative pagan journalism with an attitude. The topics I will discuss may be controversial or cutting-edge discovery. I may also include new and interesting pagan-related news items or breaking stories. You may find an entire segment devoted in commentary to a subject of interest to all pagans, and if I really get passionate on the subject, that commentary might even shapeshift into a rant. What you won't hear in this segment is a boring rehash of topics that can be found in a variety of magazines and the endless quagmire websites found on the internet. I will strive to bring you new stories new information and new discoveries mixed with how-to topics that you're not likely to find elsewhere. And so our journey begins. Walk with me down this path as we step into the very heart of the stuff that magic is made of. May your imagination illuminate your way as we step through the veil. Magic. The very word carries power and mystery, evoking images of an ancient time when humans dwelled in a world filled with mysterious creatures and unimaginable energies. A world that faded in the light of technological laziness and forced religious deception. Concealed in a protective veil for centuries, the art and practice of magic survived the adversities of ignorance and now flourishes in the light of truth, side by side with technology. Okay, well, maybe not quite side by side, but it's getting there. Science is discovering new energies in the matrix with hints of dimensional portals that have long been the very tools which shamans, witches, and ceremonial magicians wielded in the manifestations of their magic. But what exactly is magic, and how does it work? More specifically, why does it work well for some and poorly for others? Is it possible to improve the success rate and power of your rituals and spells by supercharging your magical techniques? First, let's take a basic look at the stuff that magic is made of. Magic is quite simply the manipulation of energies 
in both the physical and astral dimensional planes using your own personal power summoned by your will and executed with your intent. These energies can be, can be manipulated with the aid of allies, elementals, thought forms, and an assortment of other entities, assuming your levels of personal power can command their attention and coerce them into submission. Magic is all about energy manipulation and transformation. The degree of success in this manipulation and therefore your magic is based on personal power. If you are conducting a ritual to honor or respect an elder or deity, then love, celebration, and loyalty would be your guide. However, if you are manipulating energies or evoking elementals or entities, then you better damn well be serious enough to do so with all the confidence, courage, and intent of a warrior going into battle. If you do not establish a command of the elements and the entities associated with them, then all you can really expect are fluff bunny results. Let me define personal power for those of you that think it too vague a term for being such a key element in magical practice. Personal power is measured by the amount of life force energy or chi as it is more commonly known that is contained within your own energy field or aura at any given time. Chi has been given many names mana, prana, ki, pohat, organ, etheric energy, odic force, etc. by many cultures over the last 5,000 years. Modern science suggests that it exists but has not been able to provide too much information from experimental procedures. For our purposes we should accept the basic concept that it, it is a very real primal force that exists everywhere in the universe including within ourselves and that it can be stored, channeled, and accumulated into high concentrations that can be transmitted or shared with any living organism. It is the life force for all living things. People who carry a high amount of chi or personal power are energetic, upbeat, and healthy. People who are chi deficient are lethargic, depressed, and usually have a variety of health issues. While chi is considered to be the life force in all living things, there also exist several other types of chi energy found within inorganic objects. These other forms of chi can also be gathered and stored within our own energy fields and each has its own unique characteristic. The higher your chi energy or personal power, the greater your ability to perform an act of magic or gain the attention and respect of other entities. Your personal power fluctuates as you gather it or use it and your ability to store it is determined by the size and condition of your aura or luminous egg as it is also known. The ancient art of Tai Chi brings this kind of conditioning and balance into the aura using specific movements and breathing techniques that promote health and power. However, there exists a very specialized series of magical movements and breathing techniques designed to gather large amounts of this magical chi energy in a relatively short amount of time. These teachings have been handed down for several centuries from master to student and are now becoming more widely available. When performed just prior to magical workings or rituals, these movements tend to supercharge the magical matrix and greatly increase the power of being commanded, bringing about more dramatic results. Would you like a demonstration of this uh, chi force, the very stuff that magic is made of right now? This is so cool, try this out. Either standing or sitting, 
Place your hands together at about the level of your solar plexus with your fingertips pointing outwards away from your body. Now inhale slowly and as you do pull your hands apart about 12 inches and then exhale and bring them back together and then repeat this again five times keeping your hands relaxed and in rhythm with your breathing. Picture your hands breathing in the air. Feel the air rushing around your hands and entering them with each breath. Now continue to breathe slowly but stop moving your hands and place them about four inches apart and concentrate on the sensations between your hands. Now begin pushing them together but not making contact then pull them apart again about four to six inches and start repeating this motion. Do it rapidly about two times a second as though you were compressing a spring between your hands. Now feel the changes that occur in pressure. Feel the very fabric of magic between your palms. Now some have someone place their hands between yours and see if they can sense your personal power or your chi energy. This is a very basic demonstration to help you feel your own personal power. The primal chi energy that you are capable of gathering and projecting by using magical energy movements is thousands of times stronger than the force you just felt. With practice, you could be able to direct your chi anywhere within your body and call upon it in a moment's notice. With even more practice, you could learn how to project it to other objects or people. Magical energy passes are specific body movements designed to gather and store the very force or chi energy that magic is made of. It is a new ancient technique that when properly executed could supercharge your rituals and spells giving them an awesome driving force that almost always commands success. Perhaps in future articles I might be able to expand on the techniques for you for your own personal evaluation. For now, I will instruct those interested in the basic magical breath needed to induce these magical energy, energy movements to be used to gather energy prior to a magical endeavor. Begin by inhaling and exhaling through your nose. Inhale with your diaphragm, filling your abdomen first and then your chest. Fill your lungs completely so that you cannot take in any more air. Then as you inhale follow the path of the air with your mind's awareness as it enters your nose and fills you. Next hold the air in to a count of five so that all the chi force has been absorbed before exhaling. Then slowly exhale all the air back out of your lungs and follow its path outwards with your mind. Next repeat this process for about three to five minutes taking about five seconds to inhale and five seconds to exhale. You will need to expand this time as you become more proficient. After a few times try ten seconds to inhale and exhale then expand it as much as you are able. A master can expand to as long as three minutes on each. Now this is important. Focus your thoughts on your breathing, not on any other thoughts. If stray thoughts keep popping in your mind, simply acknowledge them, hear them as though they were a sound of no concern to you. You must keep your attention focused on your breathing. You should practice this exercise about once a day for five minutes or longer. Do not rush it. You are teaching your body new ways of thinking and acting. 
you must be able to perform this technique without thought and with a natural flow. If you push too hard or too fast, you will greatly compromise your success. It should take the average person about two weeks to master this technique. So as you can see, personal power is essential to the success of your magical endeavors. First you summon it from within using your will and then give it form and purpose with your thoughts or symbolic rituals and tools and then just at the right moment when your levels of concentrated energy reach the limit of containment you release and direct it with your intent toward your desired target causing change to occur. Using these techniques and gathering energy prior to any magical practice will supercharge your magic and improve your results while giving you the magical clout needed to command the aid from the elemental kingdom. One last word of caution. In using this kind of power, be sure to ground all your residual energy unleashed by your actions into the earth by placing your hands directly on the soil and letting the extra high concentrations of residual energy flow into it or by placing your hands under running water for a couple minutes. This brings us to the end of our maiden journey. I hope you can join me next time as we step once more onto the other side of the veil. Until then, thank you for listening and may you walk a path illuminated with wisdom and guided by your heart. Atashnana, the dew is on the grass, the spirit of the ancients, we are children of the past. The one breath that creates us is the one breath we all take, makes a rainbow round the world from the love that we all make.
We are children of the past. The one breath that creates us is the one breath we all take. Makes a rainbow round the world from the love that we all make. This next segment is actually one of my fireside teachings without the fire. The weather's getting a little bit nicer here, so I thought I'd uh, I'd take my H4, uh, my Zoom recorder that I, I use outside, you know, out of the little studio here, and I would take it with me into the forest behind my house, and uh, we'd sit by one of the, the many streams that uh, run in the area uh, far enough away from the waterfall so that uh, it doesn't drown out my voice. I'm going to be talking to you about a principle that the Toltec shamans know as sweeping the tonal. And I'll explain what that is during the segment. Um, I'm also going to be talking a little bit about shamanism itself and also about the the energetic veil, which scientists call the zero-point field. Um, many other people know it as the etheric plane, or as the Toltec shamans know it, it's called the plane of power. We'll be talking about that, and I'll take you on just a little short tour to let you know what it would be like if you were to step into it. And so with that, I'm going to pack everything up and grab my little H4 zoom recorder and head out into the uh, forest. While I'm packing things up and hiking back into the forest, let's uh, listen to a little more of Blackmore's Night with a song called The Circle. After it's over, I should be set up and ready to go.
I would like to start off by offering my thanks to all my listeners around the world who have, for the last year, allowed me to share with you my stories and various talks on the mysterious, magical universe. It has been truly an honor and pleasure being able to share some of my knowledge and experiences with you. We each should look deep inside ourselves and examine our accumulated spiritual and magical experiences and knowledge. We should do this by taking an inventory of our spiritual broom closets to put in perspective what we have accomplished or learned up to this exact moment so that we may have a reference point of where we are in our lives. Without a spiritual reference point uh, of our here and now, we tend to lose track of where we've been and this obscures our aspirations and stagnates our future progress. Take an honest look at your personal inventory and then decide what needs to be discarded, what needs to be improved or added on. This would also be an excellent time to reaffirm or set your spiritual or magical goals in life. The Toltec shamans call this act sweeping the tonal. This sweeping of the tonal allow shamans to gain a clutter-free view of their own magical world and allows clarity of thought and impeccable actions of intent. If you set aside a time to do this once or twice a year, you will experience not only an increased productivity, but you will begin to feel a lightness about you, caused by a sense of spiritual freedom as you sweep away the accumulated unnecessary thoughts, ideas, or perceptions of your excess spiritual baggage and ties. Not all shamans practice this technique. In fact, to my knowledge, it is indigenous only to the Toltec shamans. Among all the cultures of shaman around the world, the Toltecs are the most mysterious and technical of all shaman. Technical is an odd term to use in describing any form of shamanism but it is best suited um, in the case of the Toltecs. In the world of the, the shaman, Toltec shamans are considered to be adepts at perception and energy manipulation. They have spent centuries exploring and pushing the boundaries of perception of our physical world and the worlds beyond. They act as spiritual warriors to gain mastery and control over not only their own luminous being, but of the natural world around them. The ultimate goal of a Toltec shaman is to gain freedom through the accumulation of personal power and total control over their perception, so that they may pass between the worlds whenever they so desire, and most important of all, to have the power and knowledge to act with impeccability at the time of their death, so that they retain the power and knowledge, and therefore freedom to continue to act under their own will on the other side. I know a lot of you are probably thinking, what is he talking about? And I do apologize, uh, because it is a complex subject, and it would take me hours to even scratch the surface on this particular subject. But I wanted you just to get an idea of the differences between the various shamanic cultures. In the future, I will be setting up a new website devoted almost exclusively to shamanism. And I will have many other stories and perhaps even some audio for those of you who want to learn on a deeper, deeper level. These uh, audio files will, will take you on guided meditations into the world of the Toltec Shaman. This new website will have a direct link from my current website, www.sacredsoils.com. So be sure to keep an eye out for a news release on uh, Sacred Soils for when this new site uh, becomes available. There are many shamanic cultures and shamans around the world, and all of them contain great knowledge and teachings. Most people, when they hear the word shaman, they think of medicine man because it is the most common specialty that shamans are known for around the world. Shamans, even Toltecs, 
are healers, both of the mind, spirit, and body. But they are also healers of animals, plants, and even the mineral kingdom. They are, in short, healers of the planet. Shaman who have the ability to speak with animals on a spiritual level and often have their own spirit animals that aid the shaman in various acts of healing and protection as well as teaching and seeking advice and uh, visions of the future. The Toltec shaman have even developed the ability to speak and interact with the mineral kingdom known as inorganic beings. And although it can be dangerous, shamans sometimes seek the wisdom and spiritual aid from these odd and mysterious entities. Some shamans use psychotropic plants to shake the normal reality of their world so that a separate reality comes into perception. And it is in these places that the shamans seek their vision quest and speak with the Creator as well as other beings, both inorganic and organic. They use substances like ayahuasca, peyote, datura, mescaline, and psilocybin mexicana, the magic mushroom. Not all shamans use these substances, but the ones that do use them in moderation. The Toltecs have been known to use some of these uh, substances, including a mixture called Little Smoke which has uh, psilocybin mexicana and some other things in it that I will not divulge over the air. They use psychotropics very rarely and only for students that have trouble shaking their view of the false reality of uh, our world around us. I myself am of a new lineage and the use of these uh, substances is not used at all they have been replaced with a more advanced technique that make psychotropics obsolete. My teacher gave it to me once, a substance called Little Smoke, mainly to teach me why it was best not to use it. I spoke of this once in one of my past shows, but in short, the use of psychotropic substances will shake your perception and allow perception of other realities. But you sacrifice both the perceptions and personal power, thereby leaving you defenseless in what can be a hostile world. So, whenever possible, a shaman does not use psychotropics. These are only small examples of what the world of the shaman represents. There are so many more functions that the shaman serves and so many other types of shamanic cultures that I cannot possibly touch on this in this short of a segment. But I hope I will have given some of you a different perspective on the mysterious world of the shaman. In closing this, I would like to give you a peek through the eyes of a Toltec shaman and take you on a stroll into the veil that separates our world from the next all in hopes of illustrating some of the things that I have spoken of. Before I proceed, I want to make very, very clear that my perceptions and explanations of the paranormal universe and the phenom phenomenon within were taught to me by my shamanic mentor over a period of eight years and then later experienced by myself firsthand. I have tested these perceptions through experimentation in and out of the lab to the fullest extent within our scientific understanding of the universe. This research, along with the findings of other researchers around the world, have produced substantial evidence indicating that my perceptions and theories are correct. However, these are still only theories to use as possible signposts along your own personal path of discovery. In the end, proof of these alternate realities is something that can only be validated through direct experience and accepted within your heart as truth. Now, if I were to help you shift your perception 
to align your conscious awareness with the phase-shifted vibrations of the primal energy that permeates our universe, you would be standing face-to-face with what many hyperdimensional physicists call the zero-point field. To the shaman, it is known as as the plane of power, and in many of the belief systems it is called the etheric plane. However, the most common and affectionate term for it, especially among investigators of the paranormal, is the veil between the worlds. Completely surrounding you would be an ocean that you would see as a pulsating and churning bluish-white light in varying degrees of rapidly changing forms and shades of color density. You would feel as though you were surrounded by a sea of white and blue shimmering clouds that distorted your visual perceptions, similar to the effect of heat waves rising off the surface of a hot desert road. Through the chakras of your body, you will feel and hear an almost incomprehensible roar caused by the transfer of energy and information between the physical and spiritual worlds. You would intuitively understand in an instant that this is a place of power. This veil between the worlds serve two purposes. First, it is a place where all the energy on the physical plane emanates from and travels through. It is a conduit of the primal force that sustains our world energetically. Second, it is the medium or ether through which information from higher rings or planes of harmonic phase-shifted vibrations sometimes referred to as the astral plane or spirit world, is transmitted through. Standing in this sea of such an awe-inspiring force would cause an overwhelming feeling of confusion by its grandeur, and you may miss some of the more subtle intricacies that occur there. If you were to focus your awareness off into the undulating currents in any given direction, you would eventually notice one of the many individual spheres of white life, white light far off in the distance. These uh, spheres seem to move for a distance and then just vanish right before your etheric eyes. Soon you would also intuitively understand that these are what shamans call thought spheres. These thought spheres are made from the very matrix of the plane of power itself by the focused intent of a being either from our world or from the world beyond the veil. These thought spheres are a form of communication and can be both consciously generated as well as subconsciously. When someone prays to a deity or asks for help and guidance from the spiritual guide or or simply longs for a loved one lost, it generates a thought sphere of energy that is launched to its target through the power of intent. Most of these messages are lost or absorbed by the highly energetic fields of the veil or plane of power and never reach their targets. The more brilliant and more powerful spheres often have a a greater rate of success where they are driven with a more powerful force of intent most often as a result of greater emotional need or desire. The most brilliant of these spheres from the physical plane originate from skilled people of knowledge or religious faith such as clergy, priests of all belief systems, shamans, and surprisingly enough, young children. From the other side of the veil, the brilliant spheres of energy seem to originate from deity or spiritual teachers, some people call angels, and a very large group of spirits that still have emotional ties with the physical plane and some people call them ghosts. Slipping back into your own reality you would see and feel the surface of the etheric veil as we slip through the elastic barriers and back into our normal reality. This is but a glimpse of what a Toltec shaman sees as he moves between the worlds. 
Thank you once again for allowing me to share with you another one of the many mysteries found in the Shaman's Brew. Be sure to stay tuned for Savage Science coming up next with Tracy Savage. Until then, this is Marcus Leader and you have been listening to The Shaman's Brew on the Jackalope Media Network. <laughs>